Uh, hi guys, welcome to another episode of the RB Coaching Podcast. Um, I'm joined by obviously the boss Ryan and lead coach Matty to chat about, chat about all things football today. Um, Ryan, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Matty, how are you? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Kieran. Good. You're both, you're both cooled down a little bit from the last uh, two hot days we've had? Uh, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. I, I, I couldn't believe how hot it was. I've, I've never experienced anything like that in this country. It's, it's, it's a good job we called the sessions off. I don't think we'd have got much, uh, much, much physical performance out of the players. Yeah, it was a, it was a different kind of heat, like you say, something that we've probably never really experienced in England before. But um, yeah, obviously we we did have to cancel Monday and Tuesday's session, so um, we're going to be in touch, obviously, with with parents to, to um, sort those replace ones out. Um, Matty, obviously, you you played a game last night, didn't you? Step three game. How, how was that? Yeah, do you know what? Funny enough, it was um, by the time kickoff came about, the temperature had dropped massively. I'd probably say it by about ten degrees. Really? Um, and then it actually started raining as well. So um, yeah, it ended up probably you know, well they took the risk in terms of playing the game, but you know it turned out in our favour to be fair. So it wasn't too bad. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, right. So let's obviously start. It's been a it's been another another busy uh, busy month. Always busy at RB coaching. Um, we're going to have a little chat about the module that we finished previously, which was obviously crossing and finishing. Um, how did you find the month of crossing and finishing, right? Uh, okay, it's a, it's a it's a highly enjoyable module to coach, um, and I suspect from a player's perspective, it's a really enjoyable one to take part in. Um, loads of opportunities to finish from crosses. Loads of opportunities to assist goals through crosses and and you know i really like the blend in variety of the crossing and finishing throughout the month and the players have had loads and loads of fun practicing practicing different types of crosses different types of finishes for different situations um and you know and, and it's fun as well because we had you know obviously we added defenders and there's a little bit of there's a little bit of competitive competitiveness that creeps in, and it's also a great it's also a great opportunity for players to um, practice defending from crosses as well. So we kind of have that primary focus of attacking, but there was a secondary byproduct of um, the sessions as well. So we thoroughly enjoyed it, loved it. Yeah, and, and obviously um, the standard at the sessions was, was very high as usual. But Matty, obviously you're a defender, so just flip it onto the defender's point of view at the moment. Um, do you want to speak us through the three different types of crosses that that we were doing? Uh, that we're looking at and just sort of ha- how 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 hard that is to defend against yeah um i think obviously week one we looked at the pomo cross and first of all it was about sort of giving the players um a little bit of knowledge on what the pomo zone is um so we spoke about sort of the space between you know the goal and the, and the last line of defense go on then what does um, it stand so for mate so pomo zone pomo is a position of maximum opportunity so we're trying to say to the players that it's probably the easiest place to score on the pitch because you're within the width of the goal and you're and you're close to the goal as well, and you only need really one touch to finish. And it's just about you know no sort of power behind your behind your strike or your finish, but it's about sort of just guiding the pace of the cross. Mm. Um, so we're looking for players sort of in their movement patterns to you know have double movements in to arrive into the pomo zone. Um, then we was looking at sort of the key principles that that stayed throughout, you know, the, the whole module. Then in terms of when the ball's coming in line, it's about using your front foot to guide your finish. When it's coming in front of you, you can use your back foot to finish. 
um, because of the you know the goalkeepers they haven't got enough time to react. Mm-hmm. So you know n- nine times out of ten you're going to score unless it hits the goalkeeper. You know then it's a fifty fifty if it goes in or not. Mm. Um, moves on to week two because obviously defenders from the defenders' point of view they started to become a little bit more clever in terms of dropping into the Pomo zone and closing the space quickly, uh, which opened up you know opportunities round the edge of the box or just inside the box for players to sort of hold their runs or move backwards. Um, from a point of view, it's come from more like a skid pass and it was allowing, obviously, players to finish with a little bit more power on, on one or two touches, really. Um, and then moving on to week three, we then looked at aerial crosses uh, with, a, with a whipping technique from out wide, um, an outswinging cross which curls back in towards towards the attackers and then finishing sort of look more from a acrobatic point of view obviously in games well we'll move on to that I'm sure in a little bit but you obviously had the chances to head volley um, and also a lot of like second contact balls where things drop down from miss finishes and clearances as well mm. um, but from a defender's point of view obviously it's hard because you've got to get your clearance right depending on where you are sort of between the goal is it one way you can head it out you know back back out the box do you have to head out for a corner? And you're also running the risk of, of own goals with a lot of them because you can end up facing your own goal, especially with the Pomo zone. Mm. I think, I think Matt, you've summed up all the different types of crosses there really well. And and, and Ryan, I'll, I'll just bring it back to you. I think what we found is that if one aspect of the crossing and finishing isn't correct, nine times out of ten, it won't end up with a goal. So, for example, if the cross isn't good quality, the run might be great quality, but and the finish might be good quality, but it won't get there in the first place. If the run isn't timed properly, but the cross is brilliant, you don't end up in a finish. Do you know what I'm trying to say there? Yeah, I think I think it's got to match up for the for the perfect outcome, and it, it's difficult. And the statistics of crossing, I'm sure you get onto that soon, Kieran. But you know, it, it's scary how unsuccessful crossing is, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a huge part of the game. Set pieces, huge part of the game. Crossing open play, huge part of the game. The, the game has changed massively, you know, over the over a 20, 30-year period, probably longer in terms of um, when I grew up, it was four four two. It was get the ball wide and get it in the box. And you always had kind of two or three, maybe four players attacking crosses. Game's changed now where, you know, wingers are inverted. So crossing, crossing... Crossing areas of the pitch are different. <clears throat> They're more inside the pitch now rather than outside the pitch, and um, <clears throat> probably more goals are scored from cutback crosses, like they, you know, in comparison to what they used to be. Mm. Um, but you know, throughout the month, Matty nailed it on the head. Really, we've looked at a variety of techniques that, that aid the players crossing the double movements and the different types of finishing by following our golden, golden rule. So it's been a really, really good month. Um, we've loved, we've loved coaching on it. I think you, you touched on the, the stats there. I'm just looking here. So in terms of attempted numbers of crossing, there's one, two, there's, there's three centre midfielders in there. There's three fullbacks in the top 10. Um, so like you said, Ryan, back, back in, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, it would have been wingers only, wide players would have crossed the ball. But you can see now centre midfielders, James Ward-Prowse is, is at the top of the list for most attempted crosses with 302. Then you've got De Bruyne in there. You've got Mason Mount in there. So it's interesting how the central players um, are being involved in crossing the ball. And then, like you say, that the fullbacks now have basically taken the role of the winger, haven't they? Yeah, 
yeah, full backs take place at the winger. Wingers are obviously now more forwards as such. And centre midfielders are rotating with wide players in, in, in them areas, you know, when the ball gets recycled. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it's fascinating how the game, again, will change. Um, again, with new developments coming out from the FA, I foresee potentially the game changing again. You know, in 50 years' time, I think the game will look a, a hell of a lot different to what it is now. It's just up to everyone to adapt. I think we'll get on to the change with um, with heading shortly. But, Matty, I know we've spoken about this briefly, so whether you remember or not, but just out of this successful, well, attempted crosses, James Ward-Prowse was 302, the most in the Premier League last season. And Ryan touched on how sometimes it's, it can be unsuccessful. So how many of those crosses do you think ended up with some sort of finish out of 302? Are you, are you talking with a successful cross or an assist? Um, just class as successful means it gets somebody gets on the end of it. So out of three hundred and two, yeah, I'm probably going to say between. You probably like to think probably about you know a third of them, let's say, but I'm probably going to go just under a third, so in about eighty. Yeah, so you're very close. So, like 74. I said. 302 crosses attempted by James Wood Prowse, and 77 of them were classic as successful. Oh, so, we're, wow, oh, we're in between. You're we're, looking, it, you're looking at break. sort of every. Yeah, we, Karen, we, we, Karen, we need a tiebreak question. A tiebreak. I'm not drawing that. Yet. All right, I'm all right. A competitive guy. I want to win. We'll go second. Trent Alexander-Arnold was the second most attempted with 273 crosses. How many of his were successful? 51. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sixty-five. And the answer was eighty-two. So Matty, oh, you take the win on that. Yeah, he's had more assists this season, hasn't he? And he's he's done really well this crossing. To be fair, but that def- that definitely shows that it's about one one in every four crosses. Well, with the quality of Ward Prowse and Alexander Arnold, one in every four cross crosses become successful, which is which is interesting. You think those three they they lead to nothing. It's, it's it's scary. I know a guy did a, a big blog piece on crossing and, and why crossing is not important and why it should be why it should be why why teams shouldn't cross the ball. Probably based on from them statistics. Mm. It's uh, it's crazy. It is, but yeah. Well, let, let's touch now on obviously what you've both sort of alluded to with with the FA making a, a rule change and obviously it's going to affect a lot of our players um, being the age that they are. Um, I think I'm right in saying that they've, they've brought in a, or they're trialling, um, no heading in matches or training for anybody under the age of 12. Is that correct? I think, I, I, I think that yeah. knows a bit more. Um, yeah, I've done a little bit of research and obviously now the FA have been able to, you know, start this trial. It's just, I think, first of all, what they've got to do is basically get on board all leagues through the county's FA. So, Obviously, they they offer it out for. Would you like to, you know, be part of this trial? And then it's down now to the leagues, uh, clubs, county FAs to sort of say, yeah, you know, we'll we'll come on board for for the season, uh, with the view, I think, for twenty three, twenty four, to have it in place. Um, so they're just going for a gathering period, I think, in terms of, you know, getting leagues on board, um, and then they're going to go from there. But I feel like it's a. Uh, it's something that's there's been a lot of work done behind the scenes already from a a science point of view, medical point of view, with experts in that department. So, you know, there's there's, there's some reason behind it for sure. So, yeah, I think I think it's important to we obviously just touch on the reason. Obviously, the the longer term impact of heading the football is is um, 
potentially something that they believe they want they can eradicate by not heading the football basically um but in terms of changing the game you, you touched on it a little bit right do you, do you think this will have a big effect longer term um i don't think it will have too much effect in the smaller formats the 5v5 7v7 potentially 9v9 um I, t- I just think I've obviously watched my son play the last two years at a 5v5 format. And generally, kids don't really head the ball anyway. And if they do head it, it has no meaning or no quality. The ball just kind of like, they just put, they just put their head in the way of the ball mm. and the ball just goes anywhere. So from a technical perspective, as you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a purist. Mm. You know, I think it will develop receiving, passing, uh, aerial control quicker. So I- I'm all for that. Um, it will promote more short free kicks, short corners, short goal kicks, which again I'm I'm, I'm well up for. Um, the issue I have then is if they ban it from under twelves, from under twelves, this massive heading craze, and it's like, oh, now we can head the ball, and and everyone goes, the game changes completely. Eleven aside, everyone starts pumping the ball long, and and there needs to be some kind of integration, a slower integration. Um, between the phases there in my opinion but look um, I, I, I think personally I said this to someone the other week I, th- I think heading will eventually be banned from the game full stop um, and like I say 50 years time I don't I don't expect the game to have any heading at all so mm-hmm. that's why I think the game going to change so much I think I think it's interesting I can see that the, the of course I can see the reasons behind it but I think, am I right in saying, Matty, that if somebody was to head the ball, say this rule's in place for the under-12s, under the age of under-12, um, if someone was to head the ball, do they give a free kick to the other team for that? Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure myself in terms of... I'd imagine so. It would make yeah, sense. It, it, um, is, it is, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't really know sort of much about the rules of it, but I've, I've just saw more from a, you know, a trial point of view what, what they plan to do. Um, and why they're doing it as well. They've said a lot about how it um, stops, not probably more from a long-term point of view, but also, you know, things, you know, instant things like, you know, head injuries from head-to-head contact, mm-hmm. head-to-elbow, yeah. head-to-floor, you know. So just things that go on within the game as well. Uh, but I, you know, I, I still think, I don't know how you can have a game without, without heading because then, you know, teams... It promotes an on-ball more, in my, in my opinion, because mm. I feel like you, well, you can just put the ball onto you know, a centre-back, for example, and he can't head it and deal with it as, as well as he wants to. Mm. So it just, duck, I think... Duck, duck and run. You, you know, so, so it just... So it's going to promote teams, in, in my opinion, to, to play longer. Um, and, and I look at it as if it's... Take the same route as rugby, for example, where, you know, it, they can't go into full contact until a certain age... Um, and maybe is that because of that for their own physical development? Is it the same with football because they're not as developed? Do they need to need to wait a little bit longer before they can have that sort of impact? I'm not sure. Mm. No, it's it's a really interesting topic, and I think obviously we'll, we'll keep keep our eyes on it um, as it develops, and and I don't know, maybe we have a, a bit more of an in depth chat about it at some point. But I think we'll park that there with the heading stuff now. Um, it's probably just worth mentioning, Roy. We're, we're getting close to August now, so. Um, it's coming up to obviously six weeks holidays. Kids are going to be off school. Um, what have we got to look forward to with RB this August? Um, from an RB coaching perspective, we've got 
um, our position-specific day camp. So we're running 10 days throughout the month of August, so five in Wollstone, five in Coleshill, which cover five different positions, so centre-back, full-back, centre-midfielders, wide players and strikers. So thoroughly looking forward to deliver on them. They're always great days, and there's a mixture of theory and practical. Um, and then from a football playground perspective, we are running every single day in the, in the, soccer, in, in the summer holidays with our fun football camps so um yeah if the kids are at a loose end at any point you know we're open for booking and it'll be great to see them so it's going to be a it's going to be a busy summer um on top of my coach's town and um yeah and just just a heads up as well so there's no evening sessions in august which is which is a nice it's a nice break for parents and it's also a nice it's a nice break for for the staff who you know we work every, every evening all year round so it's it's uh, it'll make a nice change. I'm looking forward to it, um, Matty. Obviously, you've been getting some some or started some presentations, getting them together. Um, what are you hoping to see, or what are you looking forward to with with these position specific camps? Yeah, no. First, I think it's been it's been nice really because we're given a chance for for players to learn probably in a different way with with the theory side of things, where they're going to have the chance to sort of look at. Um, a varied amount of players in a certain position. So the one we've done at the minute, the first one we've been looking at is players as centre back. So you know they'll be looking at top centre backs like Sergio Ramos, Virgil Van Dijk, different types of centre backs as well. And it's their chance to analyse why they're good and what they do and what key attributes they have. Um, and then from that, we're we're giving them the chance to go and sort of take it out into onto the pitch. Um, within some structured sort of environment, and and we tried to work with them both. For example, in possession first as a defender, and then we'll swap it where they go. Um, sorry, out of possession first, and then we'll swap it in the afternoon where they're going to go um, in possession. Um, but they also get a chance to see a, a tactical point of view, sort of about their you know positioning, let's say, and and their decision making for for whatever position we're looking at on the day. And I know we've got a lot of different positions to look at, so it'll be uh, it'll be fun, interesting, uh, and a little bit different. Do you know what I really enjoyed doing with these last years when when we did them right? Is is seeing the way that the kids um, learn in terms of they watch it. Like we put on a video, obviously, of a specific player or a specific role, and then I love it when you see the kids really embracing trying to be that individual that they then they have that they have watched. I think all children have have role models. And people they people they look up to, and y- yes, they learn a lot from us, you know. Um, and we've got a great, great staff. We, we would never, we would never be their ultimate role models. Their role models are are, are the ones that play the game at the highest level, whether it's men's or, or, or women's. So it's great for them to watch video footage and then try and become that player for the day, and try to understand what player does and why that player is so successful in his position. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. It's going to be brilliant. So, obviously, hopefully people have booked on. If, if anybody needs any help with anything, obviously just get in contact with us so we can send the link over. But um, probably a, a good point, actually, right, to touch on um, something that you just brought up in terms of, obviously, role models for, for the players might be the top men's players, might be the top women's players. Obviously, at the moment, there's a there's a major tournament going on on the women's side of the game with, with the women's Euros. Um, Matty, I know you've, you've watched quite a few of the games. Um, what have you seen so far from England? Have you been impressed? Yeah, I've been I've been very impressed. I think I started watching them to be fair. Um, when they finished in the bronze position at the World Cup, 
Yeah. And they sort of went above expectation. And at the time, the, the men's team were very much underachieving. And it was uh, it was one of them where, I, you know, I, they gained a lot of interest from me for that and a lot of respect. And what they actually ended up doing for the game in terms of, you know, its professional status and giving more opportunities, to be fair. Um, but from the games I've watched so far, um, obviously Norway was a, a massive standout against the team who are, you know, are up there to... To, to win the tournament and, and to blow them away 8-0 the way they did was absolutely fantastic and from from my point of view it looked like they, they nailed the game plan um, they, they, they looked so fluid they looked like they knew what everyone was doing organised as well obviously keeping the clean sheet so I've been, I've been really impressed and there's also been some very very good individual performances I think I think I don't know whether you've managed to watch much of the games right but I think just you can see, you can sense it, can't you, that the women's game is certainly going in the right direction uh, in England? It's it's majorly going in the right direction and it's great and there's, there's a huge amount of interest in the in, in the women's um, league in this country. Um, long may it continue, in my opinion. I think that the, the standard of women's football has progressed massively um, in in a very short period of time, um, been really impressed by England. Like Matty said, the fluidity of their their possession and and their movement and their quality of touches and skills in tight areas. But no, honestly, been super impressed. I just hope they do the job tonight against Spain. I think if they beat Spain tonight, I think it's a clear path to the trophy. But I think I think this this game tonight probably should be the final. Mm. Um, which which is a shame. It's a quarter final, but it it is what it is. And but like I said, these. These women players that are representing England at the moment, they're a great role model, great, great role models for the players, girls up and down the country, um, and particularly the players that we have at RB. You know, we're, we're not just a boys' programme, we have very, very talented girls in our programme. Um, should we shout out a few guys? Yeah, go for it. Give, give, them, a shout, give them a shout on the podcast. So it, um, let's start with, let's go with, we've got Tuesday, Sailor. Yep. Sailor at Princeton, got um, Scarlett and Clara and Annabelle. Um, Clara and Amelia. Annabelle. Yeah. Amelia. Uh, we've got in Solihull, we've got Maddie, Grace, Scarlett, Ella. 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 Um, I hope we haven't missed any. Oh, um, Wednesday, Annabelle. Anya and Annabelle. Yeah. Um, Absolutely quality footballers, and and don't forget Naya as well. Naya, I know Naya's just signed for Aston Villa. Uh, um, what great achievement! Like, and then um, one of our old um, clients as well, Neve. So Neve has Neve. Um, they're fantastic. They understand the standard of their play has been incredible. Yeah, but I think where they were when they joined us, and where they are, really focused in their sessions. Yeah, no, Ryan, you just broke up a little bit there, but it's okay. But yeah, you're, you're talking about the standard of of the of the the girls, and they have been fantastic. And the the best thing is that they're a joy to coach as well. Obviously, everybody's a joy to coach, but um, the smile on the face, and and certainly at this time of the, of the year, when when you can see the impact that the Euros is having on them, that it's really nice to see. So it has been really impressive, and. I think you mentioned this before. Fingers crossed, it's uh, it's going to be coming home for England. So we'll see what happens there. Um, 
Last little point we're going to touch on. Um, we've got about five minutes till we finish. Obviously, it's I can't believe how quickly it's come round. Um, the new season starting in about two weeks now. I think the first championship games in in less than that. And um, obviously, the the transfer window is always an exciting time. Um, for me, I think City have, have stood out again and and improved um, by actually not spending too much money with with Haaland. He seems like an unbelievable signing, but. Matty, would you say any team is in a position, based on the business they've done in the summer, to be able to challenge Man City for the Premier League? Uh, not for me. Not for me. I feel like um, uh, that Chelsea Chelsea have, have, have done a good bit of business recently, obviously replacing the players they've lost at centre-half, bringing in Sterling. Hopefully, you'd like to think that he can add some goals because that's what they, they lacked. But like you said, Man City... The business they've done is just so logical in terms of you know they're losing Fernandinho and replacing that very quickly with a player that you know under Pep Guardiola can go a very very long way both for Man City and for England um, and 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 at Haaland's is his goal scoring record speaks for itself and it's something that I think maybe Man City having that there's no reason why he can't go and score massive amounts of goals and, and probably break records in the Premier League with the service he's going to get. So, uh, for me, Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs have done really well in terms of bolstering their squad. Um, Spurs, obviously, I think they spent like something near to £115 million, but the amount of players they've brought in to add depth, um, you know, with Champions League football this year, they've been, they've been very clever. But for me, Man City, mate, all the way. Ryan, any business stood out for you from any teams? Uh, I think Arsenal have signed really well with Zinchenko, Jesus... Um, and what was the other one? Does it surprise you um, that City yeah. have let the likes of Jesus and, and Zinchenko go? I, I, I think Arsenal could be a really f- real force this year with everyone maturing. Yeah, it's it's gonna it, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with teams like Arsenal and. I'm surprised. I wouldn't let them go. I think no, it's, it's going to be interesting to see with what happens with teams like um, Arsenal and, and obviously Chelsea, like Matty mentioned, um, stuff like that. It's going to be a very interesting season. I mean, my team, Leeds, have, uh, have recruited quite a few players, spent a bit of money, which is which is quite nice to see. Um, and I think even even the likes of Villa, they, they've recruited quite well. So we'll have to see how, how Villa get on under, under Gerrard, obviously full season under Gerrard. Um, be interesting to see how that those sort of signings come into the league and do. Yeah, um, exciting times. Um, looking forward to watching football on TV again. Um, and obviously after the Women's Euros, so no, can't wait. Good stuff. Well, it's nearly back. Um, two weeks time, and the Premier League will be back. So, guys, obviously, thanks for thanks for coming on. Been a really interesting um, podcast. Good to have another chat again, and uh, we'll be back probably in a few weeks with another podcast on the finishing module. So we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Thanks, Thank you. Speak to you all soon. Cheers.